Thank you for tuning in to the Back to Nature podcast. I'm your host, Maddie Rubin. I'm a musician, an artist, a writer, and my primary inspiration always comes from nature. My whole life, I have been in love with this beautiful planet that we live on. And now, as an adult, I am fascinated by the ways modern societal structures destroy nature's ecosystems and our individual and collective role in that destruction. So I've been exploring a low-waste lifestyle since 2017 and have discovered how to divert 90% of my waste from landfills. I consider this lifestyle to be a daily act of devotional love to the earth and a vote for the kind of future that I want to help build, one that is sustainable for both human, animal, and plant inhabitants alike. It is my belief that the separateness from nature that we often experience in our society is an illusion, and that in reality we are deeply interconnected with the earth and each other. I believe we must awaken to this reality so we can shift our modern lifestyle away from a consumer mindset that actually harms life on earth toward a more loving and compassionate society that seeks to support all life. So this podcast explores topics that are in alignment with this holistic worldview. And I hope to facilitate conversations with experts on subjects anywhere from sustainability to history to spirituality and beyond. On today's episode, I'm excited to welcome Sasha Bryce from Toronto, Canada to talk about shadow work, emotional healing, trauma, the inner child, and much more. Sasha is a yoga teacher, an EFT practitioner, and an incredibly intuitive and wise person. All right, so Sasha, I would love it if you could just share a little bit about the work that you do. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm so grateful to be here. And I primarily work with a few different methods. I'm a holistic therapist and EFT practitioner. Incredible. Um, and yeah, I offer yoga therapy as well as uh, two unique methods of tapping. So mm-hmm. meridian point body tapping. Ooh. And yeah, one of which my mom actually developed in 2000. So 20 years ago. And when I got home from five years of traveling, she shared this method with me. And this is where we really dive into the subconscious limiting beliefs Mm. that are formed in our childhood. And we actually use meridian point body tapping to clear and release those patterns. That sounds incredible. I would love to try this. Um, And this is actually going to be a theme um, throughout the podcast today because inner child work and uh, our subconscious programming is so much of what shadow work is about. So this is going to be a massive tool for me, I think, going forward and helping me with my shadow work practice. So just for those who don't know, uh, what is meridian tapping? Can you just share a little bit about that? Absolutely. So it's based in Chinese medicine mm. and Um, If you've heard of acupuncture or acupressure, that's where we're touching on the meridian lines, which are energy channels that run through the body. And we we touch on those points to help the energy flow, the chi in Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. So we want to have this balanced chi. And with the meridian point body tapping, we're hitting on end and start points where the energy flows in and out of 
Mm. And now it's becoming a research-based method before it was a little bit, you know, on the outskirts and people didn't know what it was. But now that research is showing what happens in the brain and the nervous system when we're tapping on these points, we're reducing, we're down-regulating the nervous system and reducing the activity in the amygdala and reducing our cortisol levels so we can come to a state of balance, really. That's incredible. That... It totally is in alignment with something that I would love to try. And I have gotten acupuncture many times throughout my life, and it's always been immensely healing for me. So I'm really interested in Meridian Tapping, and I would love to, outside of this, also uh, connect with you more about that. And we'll check out all of your social media. Sasha has a lot of content on her social media platforms about tapping, um, and I will have you share how people can connect with you on social media at the end of the podcast. Um Well, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about what you do. Um, That is absolutely fascinating. And I really resonate with that. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what shadow work is now for those of you who don't know, because what Sasha is talking about is literally exactly leading into shadow work perfectly. So especially the parts about how It helps us to reprogram our subconscious around our limiting beliefs that we acquired during childhood. So for me, the definition of shadow work is consciously examining the parts of ourselves that we have repressed, um, either due to external validation that those parts of us are not acceptable, um, specifically in young childhood. So socially, if we were bullied for a certain characteristic or even by our parents, if they only gave us love or acceptance when we behaved in a certain way or even from ourselves, like if we're expressing a certain thing when we're children that doesn't get the response from others that we really want or are looking for, we can often fracture parts of ourselves away and hide them in what is called our shadow. And that is a Jungian, and Freudian term, specifically Jung, um, he talked a lot about the shadow self um, in his archetypal theories. And I find it to be so fascinating um, and really have experienced it incredibly clearly in myself. Um, And also, I would say that as women specifically, Uh, Our shadow is fed by a society that only accepts us if we show our femininity in a certain way. Um, In my experience, I, you know, being smaller than my biggest self or having to look feminine or whatever that may be for you, um, serving others before the self or whatever that might look like. I think our society really fractures the self in many ways for men as well I would say that our society currently also causes men to shun much of themselves into the shadow as well like men aren't supposed to be sensitive men aren't supposed to express emotion um and and so for women it can be being over emotional or being you know being bossy quote-unquote I hate that term but being assertive you know and so I have experienced that as turning into a complete and utter doormat right where I let people walk all over me and I'm a total people pleaser because I'm so afraid that I will be rejected if I stand up for myself or state my opinion so that's what I consider to be shadow work is really delving deeply into these parts of myself that 
have I've essentially rejected them to the point where I didn't even know that they existed anymore. And that comes up in ways um, I struggled really deeply with depression and anxiety for a number of years. And um, I didn't know what was wrong because nothing in my life was really going wrong. The shadow self can come up in, in insidious ways and prevent us from expressing ourselves or being the people that we're really meant to be. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I would say that my belief around the shadow is that we're born as these like innocent beings, right? Mm. We all come here and we're like pure awareness, pure Mm. energy, basically Mm -hmm. as babies without all the stuff that then gets piled on. And they say by age eight, we have um, almost all of our programming, our subconscious Mm. programming is already been imprinted within us and now Mm -hmm. with like modern trauma work they're showing that Mm -hmm. you know it impacts the body so Mm -hmm. it's like a somatic experience of fear that actually gets imprinted into the body and I believe that this becomes this shadow it's like it's basically all the stuff that is fear I believe Mm. it's kind of like when you think of an actual shadow, like when I say shadow work and people hear shadow work, I think people are often like turned off because they Mm. think of um, like Disney characters and villains, like these kind of (laughs) like this stuff. Right. And it's like when I think of what is a shadow, it's like this it's it's an illusion, basically. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's a part of us that's that is being you know being created through an optical illusion in some extent so there's part of it that feels like it becomes very real for us due to the fear that was created and in fact like affected us and our Mm. body and Mm. so I think part of the uncovering is to really look because like a lot of the time when we look we notice that there's nothing really there to be afraid of yeah So that's been a big part for me is like Mm. just examining um, the more awareness we have, like Mm -hmm. loving awareness, then you can see that these parts were just learned from a very innocent, fragile stage. We started to believe things about ourselves that that aren't true, Mm. that aren't true. And they limit us in adulthood. And I, I do believe that we continue repeating patterns as a method of attempting to learn so it's like we keep getting into the same relationships we keep getting into the same situation with money whatever's showing up in our life it's like it's reoccurring because the universe is trying to get us to learn or actually we're trying to learn Um, we're just creating that situation Mm -hmm. over and over again until we learn the lesson there Yeah, that is so true. And you're so eloquent the way that you speak about that. I resonate with everything that you said. It's so, so true. I really believe that as children, we are so impressionable. And I can only speak to myself, you know, being a very, very sensitive person, which I am. I'm an empath. And I'm an HSP, which stands for highly sensitive person, um, which has been researched over the last 20 years or so um, and it has been proven that there is a certain percentage of the population that just have a more highly attuned nervous system to their environments and are just like more affected by external stimulation Um, so I'm an HSP um, 
and an empath and just thinking back to my little eight-year-old, nine-year-old self struggling so much in school and just remembering how much of myself I started to repress. And I really agree with you that the parts of ourselves that we repress start showing up in our everyday lives until, like you said, we learn that lesson. And (laughs) my mom always says, um, whenever something happens and, you know, there's a drama in my life, she looks at me, she goes, oh, well, another fucking learning opportunity. (laughs) And I I love that. It's true. And, And that is the, I guess, ultimate benefit of shadow work is that we really learn about ourselves. And I love that you mentioned loving awareness because I have found that the more loving awareness and self-compassion I can harbor, the more I integrate my shadow. So anyways, I want to touch on more of that later. But what I really want to talk about a little bit now is laying the framework so people can understand our healing journeys a little bit better because it's great to talk about loving awareness and compassion and love and light and all of that. But the point of shadow work is to delve into the darkest parts of ourselves and to bring them into our consciousness, our our awareness, because when they're in the shadow and they're banished to the shadow, we're not aware of them. They're not in our conscious mind. It's part of the subconscious. So the practice of diving into shadow work really is bringing those parts of ourselves into our consciousness. So I want to ask you if you're willing and open to sharing a little bit about what your healing journey has looked like and what darkness have you conquered or not conquered I don't like the word conquer but what darkness have you brought into loving awareness that has really propelled you into this work of healing that you are doing and um, yeah integrating your shadow yeah I love that you mentioned that you're a highly sensitive person because Mm -hmm. I definitely resonate with that just as a child I felt like an adult basically trapped in a small person's body. And I felt like I could really understand the depths of what was going on. And I felt so impacted by my environment and Mm -hmm. I didn't, yeah, it was, it was difficult to really play and express myself freely. Mm -hmm. I was also being raised in um, a Jehovah's witness religion. Yeah. It's a really intense organization in my opinion. Now looking back it, um, it doesn't really speak to the needs of children. It's very adult mm. focused. So that was mm-hmm. pretty difficult to hear a lot mm. of messaging around strict Christianity as a young mm. child around sin and guilt and wow. um, some of these heavier uh, topics. And so that was kind of a lot of my childhood. And mm. I, yeah, I ended up basically, I think one of the most pivotal moments of my life was just being in like a long-term committed relationship in high school with a very beautiful man um, mm. that he he was really on a path that I saw was like carved out for me. It was just like he wanted to get married and have children. And there was like a lot that felt like it was already laid out. Mm. And yeah, I felt like I was walking on that path and there was something in my heart. And I think this was the first time that I really got connected to my body as Mm. this vessel of infinite wisdom and knowledge and knowing. And so I really like listened to my heart and my heart was like, no, you know, this is not your path. Like get off of it. And I was like, ah, like, I was like, Oh my goodness, what? This is so scary. Like I'm so young. And I, Mm. I felt like that was what was where I was meant to follow. And it was definitely the safest and, 
um, you know, the most, the, yeah, the easiest way I could have gone was to stay. But anyways, I decided to leave and I, I went on about a five year journey of traveling and self exploration. And that's when I really dove into yoga and meditation for the first time. And that was kind of like, I knew there was this message from my heart that was like Mm -hmm. speaking to me. And I was like, what is this? Because Mm -hmm. no one seems to be connected with their inner world. So I started to study yoga and meditation and really dive inside and, um, and learn so much uh, from that and kind of, you know, develop my, my own sense of myself. And that was really hard, you know, to Mm -hmm. leave everything I knew, my family and, and everything and all the things I learned along that path. So I would say that that was really like the beginning, like it was like a choice, right? Because I think there's, when we make choices, it's like the universe aligns with that to show us where we need to go. So I felt like when I aligned with that truth in my heart, then everything else was guided. And I still feel like that to this day. So that's a big part of my healing journey for sure. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're so brave. That is incredible that you were able to listen to your own inner voice that was saying, this is not the right path for you. And to leave everything you knew behind and embark on this journey of self-discovery that is so brave and incredible and I'm sure many people will be able to relate to that Um, and I love that you mentioned how you this was the first time you really connected to your body as a vessel of infinite knowledge and wisdom um, because that has been such a big part of my healing journey as well is realizing how disconnected from my body I was my whole life and how much wisdom can be attained through listening to the body. And I I think that's really incredible, especially right now where we are in our current world um, and our society. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Is there anything else that you would like to talk about in terms of how shadow work has helped you heal along your journey, um, bringing forth parts of you that you had rejected and were living in your unconscious, bringing them consciously into the forefront of your existence and your psyche so that you could heal and integrate. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm definitely still on that. Mm-hmm. We all are. Oh yeah. <laughs> Never ending. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Lifelong. <laughs> As a child that was so sensitive and kind of picking up on the messaging from society and people that's been a really massive thing for me is to like face that fear of being like our biggest fear mostly as all of us is like to be outside of the tribe and to not Mm -hmm. be a part of it and to be abandoned somehow and rejected Mm -hmm. and I think Mm -hmm. there was like some massive healing of that shadow through leaving my family and and continuing to this day where I feel like you know I live in Toronto in Canada Mm -hmm. and it's a very um there's there's certain acceptable societal like viewpoints of being successful and I think just that I've chosen this path of entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. and to be like different you know and just facing the part of me that was so afraid to be like 
you know, just different. Like that's really it. It's like, I think I spent so much of my childhood trying to fit in because it was like, I was so different as a Jehovah's witness. You know, we didn't celebrate Christmas or Halloween or birthdays or anything. We couldn't stand for the national anthem in school. So there was like, I felt very isolated in that respect. And so I think there was a huge part of me that just always wanted to fit in and always Mm. want to feel normal. Yeah. So this shadow of healing that this, like, no one is normal Mm -hmm. and really being able to, yeah, like, like honor myself and my Mm. truth versus what I thought other people were going to accept. Mm. That's been massive for me. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it really does. That's incredible. Um, I I didn't know that about you, um, that you were a Jehovah's Witness growing up. Um, so just to kind of preface this, Sasha and I first met on a trip to Israel. We are both of Jewish heritage and we went to birthright together. And this was a very special birthright trip. It was um, spirituality and mindfulness focused. So I we did a lot of meditating together, a lot of yoga. And um, so that's how I kind of first met you was through this traveling. Um, I think I was, I met you along your traveling journey as you left your family. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I should, uh, I should just clarify that because that's part of the shadow too. Like, well, just my father is, um, you know, fully Jewish. Okay. he chose to marry my mother, who oh, is wow. Christian, and actually my the, my father's firstborn son is named Christian. Oh so wow! A real rejection and abandonment oh. of his heritage of being mm. raised Jewish, um, and it's pretty fascinating right now after birthright and all that. Mm-hmm. I find myself with a hundred percent Jewish. He, he's from Russia, my partner right now. And so it's just, it's pretty interesting because there's, wow. there's some shadow, shadowy stuff there um, yeah. around just, a, yeah, just this religious mm-hmm. uh, rejection. And yeah. um, his family is quite um, Jewishly protective. So there's mm. some stuff there. It's like wow. very fascinating karmically, right? Because we repeat oh this stuff. Like, yeah, just to clarify that. That is actually so interesting because mm-hmm. you come from a background that rejected mm-hmm. your Judaism. Yeah. And then now you're with a very Jewish man who his family, it seems like, is probably, you know, being Jewish myself, I understand how incredibly protective uh, very religious Jews can be of that heritage and wanting Jews to marry Jews or be with Jews. Not necessarily that you're going to marry your partner, but you know what I mean. Um and that's just very interesting. So I guess I have a follow-up question for you about that, which is coming from a very Christian background, being Jehovah's Witness, how was it for you to break away from that incredibly strict Christianity and embrace your own, I guess, spirituality? Because I, as I know you, you are very spiritual and not necessarily religious. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. I think... Yeah, it's funny because I don't actually, I think that's still almost a rejected part of my life in some ways where I feel like it, it, and at the same time, I feel so grateful, like you said, how it relates to spirituality, because Mm -hmm. I think I really at a young age was introduced to like, oh, there's more, you know, there's more than this. And so, and if anything, because of the way that I felt isolated and kind of 
you know, I didn't love the parts of the religion that were really discriminating. Mm -hmm. I feel it's really also created, my friend said this the other day, she goes like, I didn't realize that um, that's why you're so inclusive now. And I I hadn't thought of that, but it's like, I feel like anything, it's like, I want everyone to be welcome and Mm -hmm. I don't understand these segmented parts where it's like, Oh, like, Oh, you're gay. Oh no, you can't come here. Like, you know, just all this, like these parts that are cut off within Mm. the fines of a religion. And I will say that through traveling through India multiple times and it's very spiritual country, like everyone there is either Hindu, Buddhist, Christian, and just recognizing through all of that, that, our deep desire is to, I believe, return back to the original state as we were as children of, you know, of love and of connection. And so recognizing at a deeper level that all of these religious organizations are attempting to bring ourselves back to that union, right? Oh, yes. It's so beautiful that you said that. It's so true. And that's really interesting for me as well, because I find that in nature, right? And that's really been kind of, I guess, my religion. It's not really a religion, but my spiritual practice is so heavily um, connected to nature. And I really also believe that every religion, because I am Jewish and my mother is Christian, not in any intense way, but I also have that same heritage. Um, And I have also discovered through, you know, studying and just being interested in religion is that you're totally right. All of them are just trying to help us connect to pure love. And it, you know, varying religions do that differently, I would say. And um, doesn't always, like you mentioned before, how it's like the inner life, right? It doesn't always connect us to the inner life. And which in my experience has been where I have found the truest, deepest love resides. It's like the portal to finding that love has been through my inner world, which ties back to shadow work because what stands in our way oftentimes in attempting to connect to that purest and deepest love is the false beliefs about ourselves. And yeah, and for myself, I would say that self-loathing and self-rejection are the biggest barriers. And what I'm still working very hard on a daily basis to overcome is the beliefs that I am not lovable or I'm not okay the way I am. And that also ties back into, you know, what I learned as a child or experienced as a child. And and so lately, my shadow work practice has really looked like um, listening to my inner child. And that is actually something that I wanted to bring up is, um, first of all, if you have any tips on those who want to start shadow work for themselves, and also I want to touch a little later on the inner child, because I feel like that is such a gateway to shadow work. And um, I want to talk more about that later. But first of all, do you have any tips on for those who are interested in starting shadow work as a practice in their own lives? What might they do? How are ways that one can practice shadow work? Mm, I love that you mentioned that and actually something that comes to my mind right away is like embodied movement so one of the and I want to get into the child stuff as well but one of the most beautiful practices that I am a part of is um, a static dance community so it's like and I've been practicing you know I've been dancing on my own since we've been in quarantine and just 
And I think it does connect me in, in a lot of ways to shadowy parts of myself. Mm-hmm. Most of the time I have my eyes closed and I'm just mm-hmm. allowing myself to express. And sometimes it might look like anger and sometimes mm-hmm. it might look like joy, but it's also just starting to allow the energy to move in the body has been a really beautiful, like rather than our culture that always wants to intellectualize everything and know where we, where it's all coming from. And mm-hmm. and that's a part of it too, right? That has a place, but it's like now as these adult beings, like playing music and being also witnessed by others. I can't mm-hmm. wait for a static dance to open back up. Oh, it's same. also this witnessing and, mm-hmm. and noticing like mm-hmm. awareness, right? Of the self. For me, mm-hmm. I um, a lot of judgment comes up in a static dance of seeing other people and thinking maybe like, something about them like I create Mm. stories about people and it's Mm -hmm. like been really beautiful because we don't talk in a static dance to allow my stories to be played out in my mind and um and then notice so clearly that it's a projection of myself because I'm watching other people and they're not saying anything or doing anything so like and and then sometimes I'll meet them after and it was just completely wrong what I thought about them and I have Mm -hmm. loved that practice Mm. yeah I would say to summarize in terms of starting I would say any practice of listening. Mm-hmm. So any practice of listening, maybe that looks like meditation for you, mm-hmm. or maybe that looks like um, walking in nature and mm-hmm. just starting to listen. Cause I think that's mm-hmm. something that we've been also somehow cut off and disconnected mm-hmm. from just listening to the quiet. And I remember reading this book when I was a teenager and it said like in some African cultures, they have um, a practice mm-hmm. of heart whisper listening and it was yeah it super touched me because it was like from a young age like letting people know that there is these whispers that are within us that because we're basically being screamed at by society all day long and and you know just through content constantly being shown to us Mm -hmm. so I think there is kind of a dampening of just the listening practice so Mm. whatever that looks like for you and also listening to what that might be for you to start diving into some of the shadows which like you said often come in the form of our limiting beliefs and our limiting thoughts and our inner critic as some people mm-hmm. like to say yeah. starting to get to know her or him right like mm-hmm. just being like oh you again what's up like and uh, <laughs> yeah right Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that you mentioned ecstatic dance because ecstatic dance has been my number one shadow work practice starting at the young age of 13. um, I specifically dove into five rhythms, which I don't know if you've had the experience of dancing five rhythms, which is like ecstatic dance with a little bit more structure. It's the same principles, but it just has a little bit more structure. I love five rhythms and it has helped me to release trauma that I didn't even know was there. So for me, and I mean, not just for me, but trauma lives in the body. When we experience something as trauma or something at being traumatic, whether it is a physical injury or even an emotional injury, it lives somewhere in the body as tension. And that's why ecstatic dance can be such a powerful way to move stuck energy is because when we allow ourselves to unconsciously move with the music, without judgment, we are able to release parts of our bodies that were holding tension from years of trauma. And 
I've had my biggest breakthroughs through ecstatic dance and that looked like literally collapsing and crying on the floor or laughing hysterically or just you know dancing with wild exuberance that I didn't even know where it came from I mean it can be the whole range of human experience but I really believe that the gateway to shadow work is the body and actively like you said a a practice of listening to our bodies and what are the impulses within the body and allowing ourselves without judgment to express in some way what that is so also I like agree meditation I have a daily meditation practice journaling can be a beautiful way as well um nature. I love that you brought up nature. I totally agree. And I love that just in general. So as a musician, I think that deep listening can be one of the most beautiful practices because it can be to music, it can be to silence, but it's like, what is it? What is the self when there's no external stimulation? What is the self when there's nothing telling us what we should be or we're reacting to nothing but our own internal world? And that can be really intense um, and scary. It's been really scary for me. Um, and, And many moments, shadow work can be very scary, but that's when I think that self-compassion comes in and the intention um, to harbor self-compassion and the intention to sit with those parts of myself that are heavy, painful, scary um, with compassion no matter what. It's like like you mentioned earlier, it the, the shadow is an illusion because when we just sit with that part, that scared feeling, that aching feeling, that empty feeling, we realize that it's just wanting to be seen and witnessed and loved and then we can integrate it into ourselves in loving awareness so yeah sitting with self-compassion has been the hugest and ongoing practice um I think it never ends um and I think it will never end for as long as I live um I just keep returning to it over and over again um absolutely it just brought me to remember that you know some people might not have heard this or maybe, but just that you have to feel it in order to heal it. Mm. So it, it reminds me of that because whether it's through dance or mm-hmm. to come back to the meridian point body tapping, yes. where we start, which I find an incredibly accessible tool for people. So if mm-hmm. you're listening to this, you could look it up. It's often known as emotional freedom technique, mm-hmm. but we just simply tap on certain points of the body mm. and we allow really the awareness to be on that feeling. So like Mm -hmm. you said, when there's a feeling that comes up, it usually just wants to be heard and seen. So really bringing the awareness and welcoming the feeling to get Mm -hmm. bigger. So if you're listening to this and you're feeling something like bored or sad, like welcome it rather than resist it. And that's a lot of what shadow work is. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to look in that dark place because we, if we don't look and we keep hiding, I think that's Mm -hmm. where a lot of addiction starts to actually come from. It's like, that is basically an expression of trying to push a part of us Mm -hmm. ourselves away. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that just from in the past, like I didn't even, and you're not aware, you know, and I, I got into just some patterns of like really overeating, Mm -hmm. um, as a way of not wanting to feel like it's like starting to feel something uncomfortable. Okay. I'm just going to have a few jars of uh, scoopfuls of almond butter or something. And I started to realize like, what is this stemming from? And it's like Mm. not wanting to just feel what's there and being like you said, afraid 
to look there, afraid yeah. to see what's there because it might mm-hmm. mean that we're bad. That's what we mm-hmm. think. But if we know that compassionate piece that we mm-hmm. we truly are whole and we're just returning and we're remembering our wholeness. Yes. Oh, I love that. That resonates really deeply with me. Um, I think that sometimes it can feel like we're going to die when we look. And that's really what it was for me. And I mean that. I'm not being dramatic. I think that really all fear is a fear of death in, in some form or another and for me it it really did feel like if I look at that part of myself I'm going to die and it was just absolute terror and so just to kind of put that into context um some of my healing journey um obviously as a child I think I mentioned this earlier I was bullied really terribly in school like so terribly I my teacher bullied me she used me as an example of the kind of child not to be she would bring me to the front of the class and be like don't be like this child she's a bad child and so she gave everyone the permission to bully me and would do nothing she would not enforce anything so I was just ostracized by my entire community and really seen as this like bad child and I was just made fun of for being fat for being loud for being inquisitive for just essentially being me and so that was really hard and then I internalized that as being unlovable and brought that into then romantic relationships going forward I just was like so desperate to be loved or shown that I was worthy and I had to learn that that wasn't something I could get from a partner but that it was something I needed to find inside of myself and I learned that because I found my perfect partner I, I met my husband and we got married and I was like oh well obviously like I still feel so unworthy so that can't be because he's not giving me enough it's about me not giving myself enough So that really was something I needed to take a look at. But it all stemmed from the fact that in 2011, I had a terrible rock climbing accident and I shattered my left wrist and really pulverized it. I had to have reconstructive surgery on my left wrist and I broke three vertebrae in my lower back. And I immediately started to have like PTSD symptoms starting about six months later, but I didn't know what it was. I was 20 years old. I was still so young. I had, I knew nothing of life and I didn't know. I'd never really had like depression or anxiety in that way before, but it was just like so overwhelming that I was like basically not functional for like a few years. And I also had recently moved to New York City at that time. So I was also really traumatized by my environment. Um, So it was this really perfect storm of like, like having PTSD for my accident and then also being really isolated in a city where I didn't have any friends, I didn't know anyone and I was surrounded by millions of people who were just rushing and rushing and stressed and rushing and I just felt so like like the world was I don't even know how to describe it. It's like everything felt so hopeless and and so it was a combination of having to realize that my emotional trauma was centered around not feeling worthy and then physical trauma of literally I'm sure of just feeling like I was going to die because I'm sure in that moment when I hit the floor and was broken on the floor um my brain thought I was dying and it it took I I would say like specifically for the physical trauma and the PTSD that ecstatic dance helped with that because it was literally a physical feeling in the body of just not being able to to live anymore I don't even know how to describe it it wasn't that I wanted to kill myself at all it was more just like I thought I was gonna die and so I literally had to sit with myself and I had to be like okay with that 
I had to be okay with dying. I had to be okay with feeling like the world was ending. And the thing about emotional pain is that nothing lasts forever. No state of being lasts forever. And so in a way, it was a death. It was like that needed to die. That part of me needed to just, I needed to be okay with that part of me dying and sit with it and realize that like there's something else beyond that. And it's almost like a phoenix, right? It's like the phoenix burns and turns into ash and then something new arises from those ashes. And it's like that's how shadow work is for me. It's like every time we sit with a part of ourselves that that needs to die. I know that sounds so dramatic, but seriously, like sometimes there are limiting beliefs that just no longer serve us and to carry them forward, it doesn't allow us to be our most evolved selves. And and so it needs to die. It needs to like be let go. And what comes forward from that is a new renewed sense of self, um, of loving awareness. And so for me, that's really been the journey um, of healing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. That yeah, it's been it's been a lot of a lot of stuff and it's ongoing, you know, and it I mean, I would say that even in throughout this process of quarantine that there have been like little mini kind of like recessions of that, just feeling that like numbness or that like inability to cope. And then every time I sit down with myself and I I let myself cry, I let myself really feel that feeling. I it's like storm clouds part and the sun comes out again, right? Um, and so I would say to anyone who's practicing shadow work or wanting to start, let yourself feel like you're going to die and trust yourself that you're going to be okay and that the sun's going to come out, the storm will pass, and you're going to be fine. Wow, I yeah. love that. Yeah, there was a quote going around that like no feeling is final, I really resonate with that because it's just knowing that feeling like, you know, emotions are energy mm -hmm. in motion and they want to move through the body. And I think it's just the extent that we allow, we allow yeah. it to move and we allow the energy to, to flow. Yeah. Which also like brings me back to kind of the child's work. Yes. Yes. Which I think, yeah, like that. And you mentioned like in the relationship feeling unworthy. And that's been a huge learning journey. I've been with my current partner for around two years now. And, yes. and just um, feeling at times very sad that um, wanting him to show me something that I could only show myself. And I yes. think that's a huge learning is just like, you know, connecting to this place of the inner child. And, mm -hmm. and the thing with the inner child is like, I do believe that it's only us that can really connect to the inner child and validate her. Yes. Um, because there was moments where I was like, why aren't you loving me? And he was like, I don't get it. You know, like, <laughs> like, I, I don't know what's happening. And I, and like, what's going on, you know, and yes. I'm like, and kind of starting to see from the the outside perspective that it's like, oh, he can't see her. He can only see me, adult Sasha, and like yeah. doing the best to love her. But it's like, I need to be like, okay, like, how old are you? And like, also mm -hmm. just inquiring and being like, what what is it that you need? You know, yes. and, it's like, oh, and most of the time it's like, oh, I just want to feel that you're there with me. I want to feel that you care and that you love me. Mm -hmm. um, so starting to create this connection and 
I often invite my child with me when I dance. Um, so that, that. yeah, so that your (laughs) child is there to like, feel free to express. Cause of course, like we have Mm. this child part that's still within us. And I think people that think it's silly or whatnot to talk about the inner child, it's like, well, you know, a lot of people, when you look at adults and their behavior, it's very childish. So I think the more we don't look at it, the more we play out this like honking of the horn and swearing and giving the finger. And it's like, <laughs> those are the people that wouldn't want to talk about inner child work, I'm, I'm sure to some extent. And so I think the more that we don't look at it, the more it, it like we've been saying, it gets, um, it, it gets exaggerated. So... Uh. Oh my gosh, yes, thank you so much for that. It's so true. And inner child work has also been massive for me, especially considering that I, you know, was really traumatized as a child socially. Um, And a lot of that has been sitting with my inner child sadness for me personally. It's just been her feeling so sad and feeling so lonely. And um, and for me to, to bring love to that place of myself that just has felt alone forever and realize that no amount of companionship can ever make that part of myself feel not alone. And the only person who can help that part of me to feel held is me. And I love that you mentioned that too. And I love that you mentioned that about your partner because I had a very similar experience with my husband. Um, where I was like, you're not giving me love in the way that I want. And he just did not understand. I I literally, exactly what you said, I could just directly apply that to my relationship. And and it was to the point where I didn't, we were about to get married and I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know how to love. I don't know how to love. And it just, I realized that he loved me, the part of me that I couldn't even see, the part of me that I didn't even felt like, feel like was worthy of love. And I had to love that part of myself to be able to feel his love of that part of myself. Absolutely. It was nothing that he could do. It was that I needed to go inside and sit with the sad child and just give her love and let her express. And I I love that you mentioned that because that's really what it is. The child part of ourselves is the creator in us. And And the more time I spend with her and allow her to paint, to write poetry, to make music, to dance. And I feel like the more I integrate my adult self and I really believe like so the music that I make right now is literally like the wet dream of my 13 year old self. (laughs) Literally, it's like she would have been like, what you're doing? What? This is amazing. And it's so cool because I feel like when we connect with the the child in us, the, even the young teenager in us, it's like we're reclaiming our truest nature and our most empowered self. Because when we were a kid, we just created because it felt good to create. There wasn't that judgment voice involved, the perfectionist. I mean, I had the perfectionist forever because I've just always had that. But you know, even younger, like three, four, five, it's like you just created for that impulse to create. And it's so important to give ourselves permission to do that as adults um, and to to try to let go of that judgment. And I'm saying this to myself because I'm like the biggest perfectionist of all time. And <laughs> it can literally prevent me from being my most authentic self when Absolutely. I don't. Yeah, when I don't allow myself to create in an unadulterated way, um, I prevent myself from showing up authentically. So 
Absolutely. And it, it really blocks like why we're here, you know, and, yeah, and, exactly. and I believe like we're here to be of service in mm. some ways to, to our greater extent of us, right? Like yeah. that's why we're connected. And I feel like whenever I do my work, like sometimes I feel nervous to show up on like Facebook lives or something like this. And, and then when I feel, I hear the feedback that people are like, wow, tapping, like it really helped me. I was having such a hard day. My husband just lost his job and it, it really gets to remind me that it's not about me anyways. Like it's yeah. never about us. And like, yeah. it's never about looking good or sounding good. It's mm. about like, how can my work like be of Ugh. service if that word may be triggering to some, but it's like, you know, it's like a benefit to mm. other beings. And when you start to realize that it's like, oh, okay, I can let go of some of this child that wants to impress other people yeah. in some ways that isn't what matters. Yeah. Well, and I think that the inner child also wants to share, right? Yeah. And so that's also when we can show up in our most authentic self and share from that place, we are of service because it's Absolutely. it's the purest giving. It's not about the ego, right? It's not about like, look at me. It's more like I have something to offer of benefit. And, and I love that you brought that up because like one of the last things I wanted to really touch on is how can we use shadow work as a way to change the world? I really believe that our world is hurting so much right now because so many people are hurting. Um. <laughs> yeah, wow. And I, I really, when you said that, I instantly saw that it's kind of like, there is both. So when we have mm -hmm. something to share, there's kind of like the the child that's like the critic that's trying to protect us and keep mm -hmm. us safe and, and sometimes known as the ego. But there's yeah. also this part that is is pure like love and mm -hmm. wanting to really like contribute. And mm -hmm. so I think um, for most of us, especially as people who are doing creative projects or artists or entrepreneurs, there's absolutely this battle of these two parts of like, you know, where where am I letting my fear of being seen? Because that's really scary and could lead to death, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, where am I letting that take precedence? And then where am I, you know, moving through that, which mm -hmm. is a shadow into this greater service and this greater realization and this, um, which can be so playful, like even mm -hmm. like it could be dancing to express or whatever that yeah. is, whatever that truth is that wants to move through you. So yeah. I believe that as we start to, just like you said that your husband, you know, you, until you loved that part, you couldn't receive his love. It's similar in the world. I think like until we start to recognize and accept mm -hmm. and allow this shadowy fear part to be incorporated into our being and loved from our own unit, our own vessel, yeah. then we can't really, you know, be of full integrity in the world yeah. and so I think as individually we decide to love ourselves more mm -hmm. um, and just accept ourselves mm -hmm. and heal ourselves because there's yeah. many ways of healing that are very valid it's not just about you know oh I have fear and you know that, that's a whole nother topic but we don't want to just dismiss these parts but like truly yeah. integrate these yeah. parts of ourselves then I think the world will become more integrated right because it has to start from us oh yes oh my gosh that's so true and what really came up for me when you were saying that is 
when we fully give ourselves permission to dive into our emotional work and our own healing, we give everybody else around us permission to do the same. We cannot heal anyone else. Like I cannot heal you. You cannot heal me. I can't heal my husband. Only we can choose to heal. And the act of healing ourselves gives others permission and courage to do it for themselves. Absolutely. I love that. It's so, so, so true. Well, and I also want to tie that into, you know, kind of our current circumstances with with our society and our world. And I feel like our disconnect from nature, I think in many ways, is contributing to our disconnect as a society. And I think that our disconnect from ourselves and our disconnect from nature is one and the same. And the more that we can connect with our true natures and nature and realize that that is one thing, we're also going to heal the world. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I make it. Um, um, my boyfriend just sent me a, a little link to a new video that they're doing of grounding. And he goes, I'm pretty sure you're featured in this, babe. Like, because like, there's a picture of someone's feet because I'm basically every day if I can. Oh. It's sunny out in Toronto today. I'm going to go put my feet on the earth because yes. I do feel that living in these condos and mm-hmm. we are disconnected from the frequency of the earth. and yeah. And from that, you know, we're, we're very disconnected from nature. So mm-hmm. just making an active practice as Ugh. much as you can to, to really put your hands on the earth and just yeah. be, you, you feel so good, right? Like no so one can. Good. Deny. Yeah. It feels <laughs> so good. It's like, it's so, it's so true because we are nature, you know, we are not separate from nature. And I honestly have to say that the moment that I made a conscious effort to connect with nature was really the turning point in my healing journey. When I realized like I am nature and the cycles of nature are my own internal cycles as well. And it, for me, that looks like tracking the cycles of the moon every month. And literally it's, it's amazing. I, I just feel so connected, like looking up at the moon and realizing that, you know, like my body, even like I bleed on the full moon every month and um, realizing (laughs) that's amazing. Yeah. Many of us do. And I think that just realizing that we are so intimately connected with nature and, and for me, that has also been part of my shadow work. It's like reclaiming that our birthright of being, you know, daughters of the earth or sons of the earth. um, And I really believe that the more we can all as individuals do our own healing work and, like you said, then that that impulse, the authentic impulse to be of service automatically comes forth. And and I really have hope. Um, and conversations like these with you really do give me hope for humanity because, you know, we live in dark times right now. And I think that I have had moments of feeling really a lot of despair. And I'm sure many of us have lately as well. But as long as we can continue to be committed to our own healing journeys and to uplifting those around us, I really believe that there is hope. And no matter what we, well, no matter what the outcome will be, you know, we are all connected and just really makes me feel so much hope. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I really hear you. And I think, and through like, just on that note, it's like, I really, that's been sort of my mantra through this whole quarantine is yeah. just that like, it's like, it is in challenges that we grow. So it's yes. like any, anyone who might be listening or is like going through something really tough. It's like, that is the necessary part of yeah. growth. So I yeah. think 
just as a collective as well, even though mm -hmm. we are seeing some pretty intense and severe times, I believe that like you, it's going to lead us mm -hmm. into something more beautiful. And I really do believe that we can learn from this and then go out into our communities and make the world a better place. And not only that, but we will look inside and and change ourselves and, and embrace ourselves and love ourselves. And I really think that that has a ripple effect outward. Um, and I I have to believe that because otherwise, then what's the point, right? And <laughs> and I see that in my own community too. You know, the more people I connect with who are who are working on themselves and making change in the community, the more hopeful I feel in being part of something greater. Um, that's why I love my community here in Denver so much and the music community, even though we can't dance together right now <laughs> or have events right now, you know, it's, I really see how that, you know, every time I play a DJ set, every time I'm in that space and I see the people dancing. I know that we're all vibrationally connected in that moment. Everyone's experiencing something together. And for me, that's what like lights my soul on fire, you know, is, is that experience of sharing. And, um, and to me, it is the deepest work that I'm here on this earth to do and is to share my music. And, um, that has been another soul journey for me is embracing, um, my birthright as a musician, even though it's been it's really been so triggering for me, you know, about being seen for the full light of who I am and so many things. But stepping into that, I've really claimed my deepest light. And I think that for anyone out there who is afraid of their deepest soul calling, that's normal, actually. I've heard this quote, which is like, fear is an indication that you're walking the right way. Absolutely. So I was just listening to someone say that. And the more we step into like action and the more mm -hmm. we move towards that like the universe rewards us a thousand times and yes. that's how you know right so you, yes. you take a step towards <laughs> and then you're so yeah. rewarded yeah any so, other last thoughts Sasha before we start to wrap up this conversation well, what's on my mind is getting back to nature, which is yes. so funny because it's your, your <laughs> podcast name, but it I'm is. like, really, as soon as we finish this, I'm going to go lay in the grass. So I'm, oh. I'm feeling really, really grateful to share this. And I, mm. I really hope it resonates with someone out there listening. And, and um, I would love to be in contact with anyone that wants to follow. I've been doing like short guided um, emotional freedom technique uh, just free videos on my Instagram and my Facebook and I'm actually starting a Facebook community Ooh. called the core clarity circle Ooh. and I'm going to be doing weekly live uh, free tapping circles so you can share what you're going through just in the comments there and I'm going to guide you through a process to help you clear and release that so I'm Beautiful. really excited Thank you. So how can people find you on Instagram and Facebook? Yes. So my name is Sasha Bryce, which will be in this, the title, but it's um, S-A-C-H-A Bryce. And if you look up my name there, Sasha Bryce Yoga is my Instagram or the yes. Facebook is Sasha Bryce. And then the group will be called the Core Clarity Circle with Sasha Bryce. So I will drop all of these links in the description below. And um, also I will be giving Sasha a massive shout out on my Instagram, which if you don't already follow me is backtonature.com pod p-o-d and 
yeah, you can connect with either of us on those platforms. And I just want to say a massive thank you to Sasha today for tuning in and having this really incredibly heartfelt and deep conversation um, about so many topics that are incredibly near and dear to my heart. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening. And I hope very much that this has helped you in some way or it's resonated with you. I would love to hear any thoughts you have in the comments below. Um, Share this podcast on social media. Um, Anything in that regard would be most welcome. And I would love to connect with you. So thanks again. Thank you so much.